Yes, Sports Radio's on, talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on from the NFL to the NBA, MLB and college hoops do it all day, college football, we know who's number one, understand, on the phones, you know we get it done, so call in 718-664-9098 and we'll give you more. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show you're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray, Tall Rayside. And I'm Tay, Eric Taylor, and it is a Football Friday. Have some fun, and let's talk some sports. Give us a call, 718-664-9098. Like always, tweet at us, Facebook us. Check out the website, rayandtaytoday.com, your emails. You know what? We'll read a couple on air today. They're, they're building up, Ray. People want to hear their, their thoughts with us. Ray and Tate today at gmail.com. Busy show. NFL week two picks. College football week three. MLB playoff races. But, Ray, before we get to the Manning miracle, we've got to talk about something we forgot. And I am, we're both sorry. RIP to the great, legendary Hall of Famer Moses Malone. Barkley said that he taught him how to be a professional and a man called him dad. Moses, we will miss you. Passed away, I think, Sunday, last Sunday at 60 years old. Ray, he was a sixer, a bullet, a hawk, but he was our guy. Give me a quick thought on, on Mr. Number Two, fo fo Moses Malone. So a couple things. One is that he was a 60-year-old man. That's too young. And yeah. there were several people. We talked about this Tarpley and uh, Jerome Kersey and Anthony Mason. So guys in their 40s and 50s, and now Moses is exactly 60. These guys are dying too young. I don't know what's happening here, but there's too many basketball players in the last year and a half that just died. So putting that aside, on the court, is it possible to be number five in rebounds all-time in the NBA, number eight in scoring all-time in the NBA, and be underrated? Yes. I feel as if people don't respect and maybe they don't remember how dominant Moses Malone was. The Sixers needed Moses to go and get over the hump and beat the Lakers. Moses took in 1981, a Rockets team that had no business going to the finals, to the finals. And he was just the consummate professional. I mean, he was blue-collar, and yet he was a superstar in his own right. And I feel like he's to this day underrated and doesn't get the respect as an all-time NBA great that he deserves. You're so right, and it's, um, I think, Look, even when we ranked our top five centers, right, we did Kareem, Chamberlain, you know, Kareem, Russell, Chamberlain, the Dream, and and Shaq. And I guess Moses would probably be sixth. And, you know, that's not a disrespect to him because those other guys are so great. But even in him being at sixth, in some ways you feel like, wow, like that, that doesn't seem right. Moses was the man. So, Look, we, we, we'll talk NBA very soon, but we just I just had to we had to clean that up because we loved Moses Malone, no matter what team he played on, but he was our guy in Philly and we remember him well. Talk a little bit more stuff off the field in a minute, but we gotta address last night. Great game, very weird, thirty one twenty four, Broncos win, five turnovers from the Chiefs, not much offense from the Chiefs passing down the field to receivers. Kelsey and Macklin were kind of locked. Jamal Charles has a great game, except for the two turnovers and the one that lost the game. When I say to you the Broncos are 2-0 and they're sort of struggling between two offenses, what does it say to you about their defense when they can't even run the ball? Where do you think they go from here? And this is, might be the reason why, Tay, I, I said the Broncos would make it to the AFC Championship because I feel like they have so much. What are your thoughts? So I think that Kubiak and Peyton don't really see eye-to-eye yet, and they're 
maybe not going to all season, but I think ultimately Kubiak wins in the long run, but Peyton wins in the short run because they need to let Peyton be Peyton. I mean, you can't teach uh, you know, an old dog new trick. So Peyton's going to run his offense the way he does. He wants to be in the shotgun more, and you saw that when it was desperation time in the fourth quarter, Peyton Manning played great. And he played like Peyton Manning that we know and love and remember. Now, his arm is not ever going to be what it was. It was never the strongest arm. But they have to really take advantage of Peyton Manning, and this probably is going to be his last year. Now, luckily for them, they're not 0-2, and they're not 0-2 because of that defense. And the defense caused turnovers in week one and in week two. Akib Tlaib has been playing great. And if it wasn't for... You know, the defense keeping them in the games and letting them figure this out on offense, there would be panic mode in Denver. But luckily, like you said, they can't run the ball. That offensive line is really shaky. Very. However, the a- the AFC West is not going to run away from anybody because it's not that good. So Denver is fine. They just need to work out a few kinks on offense. But thank goodness for that defense. And also, listen, give credit, right? Sanders, Emmanuel Sanders and, and, and Demaris Thomas, Thomas, eight receptions, had big games. And Manning, he looked electric when he had to be, right? Marched down the field. Roby with the big fumble recovery. This kid, second year from Ohio State, is playing great. They have a lot of talent. I love this. Von Miller said Travis Kelsey is a fake wannabe grunk. Wow. <laughs> That's uh, rough to say, right? But he, I guess, you know, they kind of locked Kelsey up and everybody was tooting, oh, Kelsey this, Kelsey that. Jamal Charles said he's the LeBron of the NBA. Peterson was like, no, I am. So I don't know, you know. Very interesting, interesting game. A lot of fun, fun for fantasy. We'll get to the NFL in week two picks in a moment. A couple of wild things off the field. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. The kids in San Antonio, the controversy. So they were on Good Morning America today. You know, they said the ref had a racial slur. The coach said attack the ref, uh, bad calls and this and that. At the end of the day, it's such a weird dichotomy, right? Because the kids listen to their coaches. And if the coach did indeed say, hey, you hit him. Now, they shouldn't have done it, but they're following their coach's orders. Who falls on the sword? And I think we're ready to crucify these kids, but I'm not, I don't know if we need to go so far as kicking them completely off the team, expelling them out of school. How about suspending them for half or for the full season? And then, you know, because at the same time, adults seem to have major issues in failing the children as well. How do you look at it? Look, I think everybody's at fault. When you are, even when you're in high school, you know right from wrong. And granted, there's peer pressure and there's coaches pressure and, and, and so forth. But you know that that's not that that's not cool. That you can't go around hitting, you know, umpires and referees and such. So I think everybody should pay a price here. And th- this is really unacceptable in, in athletics. You know, it's bad enough when you fight field and that those kind of things happen in the heat of the moment and you just kind of brush it off. But this was like premeditated stuff. So to me, I think they all need to pay a penalty. And I don't know what that penalty is, but certainly something more than a slap on the wrist. And look, at the end of the day, these are still kids, right? You, You know, you don't need to throw them in jail for 20 years, but you know, that's way too extreme, but there's got to be some kind of penalty and some kind of message here that, that this is still athletics, folks. At the end of the day, you know, we have bigger problems in life. This is supposed to be a relief for kids and something to look forward to, and inter, you know, interscholastic athletics is supposed to be fun and uh, intense and competition and all that. So I, I don't know what the right amount of discipline is, but I think everybody had a hand in this, and everybody needs to pay a price. Definitely, definitely agree. One other quick note as we jump into the football talk, they uh, sort of had the preliminary gold jacket nominees. And, of course, two guys on the first time in, one of them definitely will get into Brett Favre. But what are your thoughts about Terrell Owens? I mean, when I was watching the highlights on NFL Network as they were talking about him, and it seems to me they want to say yeah but all the time. 
but his stats and his domination, and most of it was still, you know, legit stats. It wasn't in the funny passing era. How does Terrell Owens not get in on the first ballot? I know wide receivers have had to wait, but to me, that's an excuse. Do you know what I mean? Like this dude, second, third all-time in touchdowns, second in receptions. Yeah, you, um, you keep breaking up. I don't know if you hear it, but it sounds like you have a bad connection there. No, it didn't. So, what do you thought? What are your thoughts about To? To first making it on the first ballot. So, To to me is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, the one thing you could say about him is he didn't have outstanding hands. The other receivers of his generation maybe had better hands. Jerry Rice had better hands, even Randy Moss. But his impact on the game was tremendous, and he always needed to know where Terrell Owens was every play, every game he played. So to me, that's the definition of a guy who dominated his position. That run that he had with Donovan McNabb taking, breaking his leg, coming back, carrying that team in the Super Bowl, eventually losing to the Patriots, but really no fault of his own. He's he's a phenomenal player, and you know, forget about off the field and, and whether you liked him or you didn't like him or his shenanigans. On the field, this guy was a force to be reckoned with, and he was always at the top of his position. So to me, he's no doubt a Hall of Famer, and I vote him in first ballot. I totally agree. I totally agree. So let's uh, let's do it, man. NFL Week Two, Ray. It, it moves quickly. We got to make our. You are now listening to the NFL Talk. Ray, Ray, Ray. Woo! I love it. So right off the bat, the first game. And this is um, this is going to be very interesting. The San Francisco 49ers are going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Give me your thoughts. I'm going to let you break it down first. And our friend to the show, Oren, he couldn't call in. He's at the Hampton-Howard College football game. He said he's going with the Niners all day to go 2-0. Well, I got to tell you, I like the Niners and how they showed out last week. Carlos Hyde played great. Uh, Kaepernick looks like has a new outlook on life. He looks like he's being set free, and he's he's feeling a little bit more like himself, the Colin of old, the guy that went to three straight NFC championship games. But I'm not sure – they have enough this week. I think that something is missing. The team is not explosive enough on passing side, right? Running the ball, Carlos Hyde looks great. I'm just not loving that combination of your boy Davis and Bolden and the other receivers that they have. So I feel like big play potential is not the Niners' forte, which means they're going to have to run and run and run. And if you can stop Carlos Hyde, then you can pretty much slow down the Niners. And I think going into Pittsburgh on a Sunday, going coast to coast, that 1 o'clock game, ah, you know me, I'm, I'm rough when you're Steelers, and I don't even think they're going to make the playoffs. But I think that in <laughs> this game, you're going to have to score a lot of points. I think Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown is the new dream team in terms of offensive production and, and just being in sync. Um, Brown Sugar, D'Angelo Williams is going to run, and you guys have pieced together that offensive line, that the, the Pouncey, you know, we we're all worried about Pouncey being gone. I just think that it's going to be a decently high-scoring game. I don't know that San Francisco has the firepower to do that. So I like Philadelphia, uh, Pittsburgh winning 30-24. to 24. I like high to score. hear that. that that's, that's what I want to hear from you. Now, look, we know what the matchups in terms of AFC and NFC and the interconference, they play every four years. Four years ago, the Niners beat us pretty good, 20 to 3. 
Now, you don't remember that, but what you do remember is this team, like you said, with Colin Kaepernick, has been dominant for a minute. They look good against the Vikings on Monday night, but I don't think they're ready to sustain winning streaks and dominance, you know, this season. I think the Steelers had extra time to prepare, obviously, with the Thursday night, you know, matchup against the Patriots. They lost. They'll be healthy, fresh, regroup. Still won't have Martavius Bryant or my boy Le'Veon Bell yet. But I think Wheaton and Ben and maybe even Sammy Coates and Brown and Miller will have enough going with D'Angelo Williams to put it on the Niners pretty easily. I'll say this one's 26-17. Carlos Hyde might be able to run on us a little bit. But at the end of the day, Kaepernick will give us some turnovers and the Steelers win pretty easily. So next up, Ray, we got a good one in upstate New York. The Patriots at the Buffalo Bills. What do you think? If Buffalo is for real, then Buffalo needs to win this game. Yeah. It's up in Orchard Park. It's against the hated Patriots. I don't know if they hate the Patriots, but I hate the Jets a little more. Uh, but it really comes down to your guy, Tyrod Taylor, and is he for real? I have a suspicion that your boy Bill Belichick has something for him in terms of schematically frustrating him because LaShawn McCoy is not healthy and he's you know probably a couple weeks away from being 100% healthy where he can just run with reckless abandon. I think that Buffalo is going to rely a little too much on Tyrod Taylor to make plays. Love their offensive skill position players, especially when they're healthy with Watkins and Woods and McCoy. But I think that that's a couple weeks away. So I think this week, New England keeps on rolling. Tom Brady stays on a mission, throws another three, four touchdowns. They figure out that running back by committee. You know, there's going to be a lot of attention on Gronk, which I think is going to mean Edelman uh, is going to have a big game and maybe Amendola, maybe some of the secondary receivers as well, they find a way to matriculate the ball up and down the field. I think this one, even though Buffalo is a great defense, I think New England's going to score a fair amount. I think they're going to have three field goals uh, in addition to maybe three touchdowns. So I got them winning 30-23. to 23. Wow, sticking with Brady and Belichick, huh? The dream team. That's like that's like Quincy Jones and Michael Jackson. <laughs> it de- it definitely is. I can't be mad at you. You know that's uh, that's listen. What can you say, right? I I'm feeling the same way, but there's something about sexy Rexy outside the stadium. They've got air pumps for footballs. <laughs> And the swag and the moxie is just building. I'm not so worried about Shady because I like Booby Dixon and Carlos Williams from Florida State. Charles Clay's knee is a little banged up, and, you know, he's still playing on it. But I think a little bit of Percy, Robert Woods, getting Sammy Watkins involved. The Patriots, they had the extra time, so they're going to do a lot of scheming. But I don't think the Bills have showed everything and what they can do yet with Tyrod and that offense. And maybe Shady surprises us. For some reason, I just think the Bills have enough, and they're building up this momentum. And at home, the crowd – and also, let's, let's be honest, Marcel Darius is back. He was suspended week one. And I think they will get to Brady. Now, he pa- Brady passes it in two three seconds. But they'll get up on Edelman. They'll be up on Gronk. They'll be up on Amendola. No LaFell. So the little guys, you know, they're going to have to be quick in their catching. Yeah, Dobson might be big in this game. Yeah. No, very well. It could happen. But, you know, I want to see if they still use Deion Lewis or if they just go back to the Garrett Blunt. But I'll go with the Bills. I rode them last week on Indy. So I'm going to ride them again. 26-24 Buffalo 
kind of pulls off the upset at home and, um, and upstate New York gets to rocking and rolling. Now we're going to on to Cincinnati. <laughs> the San Diego Superchargers at the Cincinnati Bengals, no longer the Bungles, Ray. Both teams want to know, what do you got for me? You know I like Cincinnati. You know I like them at home, and you know I like them in the regular season. So, to me, again, you got a West Coast team flying to the almost to the East Coast, right, to the Eastern time zone at least. One o'clock game, I like Cincinnati. I think this kid Hill is the real deal. Um, we haven't even seen A.J. Green at his best yet this year. Tyler Eifert looks good. Andy Dalton you know, is is a regular season quarterback, puts up numbers. I think it took 400 yards from Phillip Rivers last week through two interceptions. Uh, and and Keenan Allen had just a monster of a game. But they, if they can slow Keenan Allen down, I'm not sure Melly Mel Gordon, their running back, is ready for prime time and ready to carry the team yet. Uh, so I think Cincinnati just has too much on offense. And I think that defensively they're going to be able to slow – uh, San Diego more than they were able to, or you know, better than than last week, right? So San Diego to me only scores here twenty, and I think Cincinnati puts up thirty, and they win at home by ten. Now, real quick, we forgot. Let's in this game, and then we'll go back real quick to the other two games. Give me your fantasy stud, one player for each game. Who's your fantasy stud for the Bengals? So I like Hill. I think he's the man. Okay. I think he's going to put up big numbers. And, and in Patriots the other game, Bills. in the Patriots-Bills game, you know, I'm going to say coming from behind, Sammy Watkins. I think he'll put up a lot of points. I think he'll score a touchdown or two, and he'll be playing from behind most of the game. So he'll get you eight receptions for 100 yards and two touchdowns. Wow. And Niners-Steelers? Niners-Steelers, I got to say, Antonio Brown. He just keeps getting the ball and getting the ball, so maybe he'll get another 10, 10 catches for, you know, 105 and a touchdown. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and lead up to the Bengals pick. I agree, Antonio Brown, nine catches, two touchdowns for a buck five. The Bills, Patriots, oof. I actually think in a loss, I'm going to go with Julian Edelman, another great game. 10 receptions, a touchdown, 96 yards. Not crazy yardage, but he gets that. Chargers, Bengals, I kind of agree with you. You know, it's not easy traveling to the East Coast. The Chargers didn't look – it wasn't a clean win over the Lions. The Bengals, look, regular season, home. I think being healthy, right? Jones, Green, Sanu, and Eifert with Bernard and Hill and Andy Dalton's feeling confident. You got to watch out for the Bengals. Pac-Man Jones is lucky he's not suspended. He's playing. We'll see what happens. I'll say the Bengals in um, a, a, a tight one, 28-27 over the Chargers. And my fantasy stud is actually going to be surprising. I'm going to say it's Stevie Johnson, the old savvy Stevie veteran. Stevie Rivers. okay trying to come back at the end. They scored a touchdown with him and missed a two-point conversion, um, you know, after being down 28 to 20, and they only get the, the, you know, or 21, and then they put it to 27. So they lose 28-27. Stevie Johnson, eight catches, 110 and a touchdown. Wow. So before we get to the Cowboy game, I want to throw in an extra game just because – it's a Heisman battle. Both kids were looking to go to Oregon. One did, one didn't. But our boy is starting. Johnny Football, Jonathan Pigskin, gets the start from McCown at Cleveland. The Titans are going to Cleveland. We got to pick it. Ray, what are your thoughts of this game, man? Mariota against Manziel. Oof. So that's the Heisman Trophy from two years ago. Versus the Heisman Trophy from last, or I guess three years, three, three seasons years ago. ago, versus yeah. the Heisman Trophy from last season. You know I like Johnny Manziel, and you know I think <laughs> he could win a game. You know what? 
Earlier in the week, I picked Tennessee, but I'll go with Cleveland. I'll say Johnny Manziel is going to find a way. They're going to run the ball. They're going to go by committee. They're going to move the ball down the field. They're going to keep this Tennessee team contained. Maybe that good Cleveland defense is going to hold them to, I'd say, 19 points, and Cleveland wins 22-19. Johnny Manziel leads the Browns to victory. I'm not mad at you. You're going yeah, for it. Yeah, runs for a few first that. downs, little fourth quarter <laughs> comeback situation, drives him down the field, scores, and wins 22-19. Who's your stud? I don't think there's a stud in this game. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be so bad that there'll be no studs allowed. Nice, but you right. know what? I'll say I'll go all the way. My chips are all in. I'll say – Johnny Manziel is the stud. He'll throw for a couple touchdowns, and he'll run for 50, 60 yards. I like it. I like it a lot. Well, I like Cleveland. I like Manziel. I love them at Texas A&M. I was just so impressed with Dick LeBeau, the defense, Bishop Sankey, and Mariota. I don't think he goes 13 for 16, but I think he does enough. Cleveland still doesn't look like they can stop the run. So a little bit of Sankey and Terrence West coming back home to revenge, you know, Cleveland getting rid of him. I think the Titans actually uh, win a a close one, 24-20. And I'll say Bishop Sankey. I think Bishop Sankey out of the backfield with screen passes will get four or five receptions for 50, 60 yards. And I think he rushes for 80, 90 yards and a touchdown to have a pretty productive fantasy day. Now we got these afternoon games, man. This is what it's all about. The NFC East, we all talk about it. We dream about it, these battles. This is your time. Your Cowboys, 1-0, going to the 0-1 Philadelphia Eagles without Des Bryant and going against Murray. What do you say? How about them Cowboys? So <laughs> – this is this is the way I read this situation. No, Randy DeMarco Gregory. Murray, yeah, DeMar- DeMarco Murray has a chip on his shoulder, and he basically was jettisoned by the Cowboys. It was a money situation, right? They would have loved to keep him, but but they decided to to you know say anybody can run behind this offensive line as opposed to paying the guy who led the league in rushing. I think Des Bryant being out is huge. Uh, Dallas doesn't really have a number one guy, a playmaker, even. Even Jason Witten isn't what he used to be a few years ago. I know you picked him up in fantasy, but to me he's a step slower, and I'm not sure that over the long haul, if if you expect him and you go to him as your primary target, that you're going to be that you're going to be okay in Dallas. So I'm actually worried. I think Beasley, Williams, uh, Witten, they're all decent. But uh, they still need Des Bryant. So I, I don't think Dallas is actually going to be as explosive as they need to be to win in Philly. This game is an afternoon game. The crowd's going to be ready, hyped up. I think Philly puts it on the Cowboys. I think that the, the Eagles are just bursting at the seams. They feel like they they should have won last week. So I, I like the Eagles pretty big. I think they win 31-20. Wow. Who's your fantasy guy? Fantasy guy is a young man that we've liked for a long time, Sam Bradford. I think he just needs to stay healthy, and he'll have a great season. He'll pick apart defenses, throwing it to a bunch of different receivers. I think he throws for four, um, yeah, maybe four touchdowns in this game. I don't think I think they I think they hold DeMarco Murray out of the end zone, but Sam Bradford picks up, picks up the slack. Wow, I I kind of agree with everything you said. I'm going to simply say Philadelphia thirty, the Cowboys sixteen, one Ooh, touchdown and a, bunch, and a bunch of field goals. I think Matthews Aguilar gets on there, Zach Ertz, but I think DeMarco Murray is my fantasy stud. He will get enough touches, probably 20 carries. They're going to feed him, let him eat against his old team. They'll catch about five balls. He's going to get in the end zone, and he's going to be a fantasy stud stud 
of, of the week. Um, I, I really like 115, 50 yards out of the backfield, maybe even two touchdowns, but I'll just say one, 30 to 16. Now, Sunday night football, this is going to be fun. It's a revenge game. The Seahawks have been beating them and beating them and beating them. It's time it's in Lambeau. The Seahawks at the Packers. Remember, no Cam, but Packers just lost their right tackle. Brian Balaga's out. That's not good. What do you got? So Seattle's kicking themselves that they lost to St. Louis last week, and they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. Yep. But this is Lambeau Field. And remember... <laughs> Green Bay is still upset at the Hail Mary that was caught a couple years ago <clears throat> in Seattle. They figured they should have won that game. So here you have a situation where Seattle actually did put up a lot of points. They put up, what, 31 last week? They lost 34-31 in overtime. But I think the Green Bay defense is going to be – against a decent Rams defense, right? So I think, But I think the Green Bay defense is going to be able to contain Seattle. And I think that Marshawn Lynch is going to get his. He'll probably have 80 yards and a touchdown. Jimmy Graham will get his. But no big plays. So I think it's a lot of long extended drives, maybe a couple field goals. I think Seattle gets held to 23 on the road. And I think Green Bay – they do punch it in the end zone, and they score 28, and they win at home to send Seattle to 0-2. Don't panic, though. Seattle's still a great team. Cam Chesler comes back eventually in the next week or two. Green Bay Packers win, and I think the stud of this game is Aaron Rodgers. I think he just – you know, Eddie Lacy – Gets his on the ground, but Aaron Rodgers throws for four touchdowns. Again, one to each one to each of his uh, receivers, and maybe one to Eddie Lacy. Wow! Wait, wait, what's that final score again? Twenty-eight, twenty-three Packers. Ouch! Um, I've been going back and forth all week, and just you know. Listen, I don't care what they say. They miss Killer Cam. He's the song, you know, he sets the tone. I don't like the Packers, though, not having Bulaga. I, you know, Rodgers will have to get rid of it quick. But I think Seattle is going to be, you know, Earl Thomas will be a little bit healthier. Him and Sherman still, you know, getting healthy after their surgeries in the offseason. Bobby Wagner is going to be everywhere. Bruce Irvin. I think after Mama Lynch kind of ripped uh, <laughs> Bevel. And then I love her comeback. She was like, look, I say what I want to say. I'm not speaking from Mount Marshawn. I was a football fan before he got there, and I'm a Seahawks fan now. And no, you don't run the ball out of the shotgun. And she's right. You shouldn't have done the play the way they did it. So I, I applaud uh, Beast Mode's mother. I like that. Um, I'll say, honestly, I think Marshawn goes off. I don't love that Packers defense. The Bears lit them up, Forte and, 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 and Cutler. They had a lot of movement on that, on that team. And I think it'll be enough with Graham, Tyler Lockett, Jermaine Curse, and Russell Wilson. He's, he's looking a little bit livelier at QB. I'm going to take the Seahawks 28-27 beast mode, a touchdown, four receptions, 106 yards rushing, and he has a nice, nice fantasy day, Ray. Okay. So, you ready, you, ready, you ready to go to Saturday, man? Let's do it, man. We need to talk college. Just three really good games. A lot of uncertainty, though, with the quarterback position. Yeah, and, and listen, we got to applaud Clemson and Deshaun Watson. They took care of business last night. You got Florida State, BC playing now. So, Clemson took care of their business. But right off the bat, man, you, you got a, a very good one, which is going to be uh, kind of brutal and hard-hitting, right? Like hard-hitting Jason Witten. Georgia Tech, number 14, going to number eight, Notre Dame. Give me your thoughts with, uh, obviously, Geyser. Geyser Sosa, Deshaun Geyser starting. So the good thing is that Kaiser was able to get some burn last week when Zaire went down. So he got some game time action. He's a freshman, and you're always worried about the freshman. He's probably going to need some help 
from his receiver, let's say Fuller, and, and the running game. The problem for him, though, is the starting tailback's banged up. Yeah, he's out. And he, even though he has a good arm and he's got good legs, they're, they're running the same offense. So, so Malik Zaire's offense is going to be the same offense they're running for Deshaun Kaiser. I'm just not sure they can put up enough points because this – Georgia Tech team, some people pick them. We we pick Clemson, but some people pick Georgia Tech to win the ACC. And they're number two in offensive efficiency. That spread option is tough to guard. And, I, I, you know, I think they're going to put up a lot of points. And I don't think Notre Dame can match them on the scoreboard. So I actually think that they pull away in the second half and Notre Dame plays from behind and the freshman gets frustrated, throws a couple second-half interceptions. So I like Georgia Tech 34-23 in South Bend. Ray, man, we have uh, let the audience know we have not spoken about any of our picks this week and we are on the same page. What people don't realize, Georgia Tech runs the ball for like three to 500 yards a game. Now, granted, the first couple of weeks it wasn't against major competition. But, yes, people thought Clemson Tech or Florida State would win the ACC. This is a legit Georgia Tech football team. And Notre Dame, not only do they lose their running back week one and then their quarterback week two, I don't love – I think they – I think they lost one of their maybe their inside linebacker as well. I don't love this defense this year. I think they're a little bit more offensive minded, and now you're losing the quarterback and the running back. You're right. I think he's going to get frustrated. I like Fuller, and then David Robinson's kid is still there. We can't forget about him. They they've got talent, and so they'll be able to score. But I think the running attack and just the 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 power and speed combined of Georgia Tech too much. Thirty one twenty three. Tech, 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 the Yellow Jackets, or as we know them as the Rambling Wreck. Rambling Wreck. <laughs> you got to like that. So, uh, good, good game for, for Georgia Tech. So, now, Ray, this is, the, this is a big one. Another SEC big, big boy matchup. Auburn, number 18, and they're lucky to be still in the top 25. Ugh, a mess. Messy German Johnson and the coaching. Oh, they've been a mess. At number 13, LSU. What do you got? So we actually thought Jeremy Johnson was the real deal coming I'm in so for Nick Marshall, and we expected big things from him. But three turnovers in week one, three turnovers in week two, these guys are lucky to be where they are. And to me, this is not the week <laughs> to try and figure it out because Les nope. Miles and his D can always be counted on to be tough. And then going into Baton Rouge, this is going to be a tough, tough issue. So. Jeremy Johnson's been forcing the issue. They don't have a running game to speak of, and this is just a recipe for disaster. I think LSU has got the better quarterback, even though they have question marks too, but Brandon Harris is a better quarterback. They have the better D. They have Leonard Fournette. So all the signs are pointing to LSU being the better team. It's in Baton Rouge. I think LSU wins big. I got them winning 27-17. You're right on with that, and Auburn has not found a running game. And with Jeremy Johnson struggling, you don't want to struggle against LSU. They've got a pretty – Les Miles has got some boys back there. Defensive line's good. He's putting, you know, not so much the linebackers, but his secondary and linemen, they're going to the NFL every year. So that's what he recruits. So defensively, they're going to have something for Jeremy Johnson. Maybe he plays a little bit better, you know, in the third game, but – uh, not not in Baton Rouge. I think Leonard Fournette goes off. Auburn has not looked good tackling, kind of all over the place. You know, we'll figure out how the quarterback does if Harris can still keep it going. But he he will he'll have a Mariota game, right? He only will have to throw it 15 times because Leonard Fournette's going to go left. Leonard Fournette's going to go right. He's going to run for probably 160 and two touchdowns. I have LSU. I'll go. 38-23 over Auburn. It gets kind of wow. crazy, crazy at the end. Yeah, I think LSU is uh, – they might be a little bit better than I initially thought. I think for Ned, he's going to be – we'll see him in New York 
for the Heisman. Uh, he might not win it, but he he will be invited, Ray. That brother will be there. Now, look, we got the big rank game, but we had to talk about this one. This is a huge game in the Pac-12. Stanford, after that Northwestern loss, this season is on the line in week three, ladies and gentlemen. They're going to number six, USC. My guy, Cody Kessler. What are your thoughts about this game? Can David Shaw get his troops to pull off a miracle? The short answer, no. <laughs> I think Stanford is too tough. I think that uh, your boy is on a Heisman Trophy stampede. You know, if it wasn't for Marcus Mariota's great beginning of the season and then great, you know, maintaining it through the middle of the season, Cody Kessler, you know, could have easily won the Heisman Trophy with his stats. So I don't see it happening. I think this is a this is one of those games on national TV where they get they just get they just get taken out back Stanford Stanford's one and one I think they fall to one and two I really think that at the end of the day Stanford can't score and so even though they can defend a little better than than, than average they just can't score enough and I think that the, that the Trojans will put up big time offense so I, I like the Trojans here pretty big I think they win thirty three seventeen ouch. Well, you know, Ray, I, <laughs> again, you know, I, I can't disagree. My heart, because David Shaw, check it out at com. He's been on the show, friends of the show, great coach, but also a, a great guy, good leader of men. I just think he has to get a quarterback. Hogan is not it, not the answer. And, you know, this will be his last been at it this year but I don't think you look they've put a lot of guys in the pros the last three years let's be honest right and even a lot of speed Ty Montgomery he's over there with the Packers now so to me I don't think their defense is stout enough and I just don't think they can score with USC USC is explosive Cody Kessler is going to be throwing it all over the field Sharkazian he's He's, that controversy is way behind him, right? Because what do W's do, Ray? They, they take away all questions and all issues and drama. USC takes care of Stanford. Yikes. I'm going to go 31-17. So, okay, another big uh, one. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. Hey, real quick, we, we got some extra time. I just want to throw this game at you. This is for sort of like the elite, right? We're just talking Stanford, Northwestern, Duke. Northwestern at Duke. This is a big game, you know. Northwestern likes to they, – they like to play against Duke and Stanford, the elite, you know, public schools. Can Northwestern handle the success being ranked, go to a pretty consistent ACC team, right? They, they've – been around the ACC championship the last couple of years and, and, you know, obviously have a good coach. What, what are your thoughts on Northwestern Duke? I like academic schools when they're good, you know. I got a lot of love for them. Now, Duke has got a high-powered offense, and Northwestern's D is probably a little better. Um, so, to me, I think this will be exactly that, a case of Duke's offense against Northwestern's D. I think Northwestern actually stands up and represents their number 23 ranking on the road in Durham and wins a close one, 24-23, last-second field goal to win the game for the Northwestern Wildcats, coming back 3-0, and representing the Big Ten. Ray, totally agree. We'll go back and forth. Home field will help them to keep them in the game. I have Northwestern sort of doing the same thing, but 27-24, it's a tie game, and they kick a field goal to win at the end. I think, uh, you know, Mike Wilbons and Mike Greenbergs of the world from ESPN will be quite happy, uh, the, you know, and I have some Northwestern friends, and, you know, you were out in that area, so you know them very well that the whole uh you know that area and the energy and the passion for uh i'll call it intelligent football <laughs> they uh look and they've been fighting in the courts for their rights right so we really respect that 
they, they get a W at Duke, and they, they climb up the charts, repping the Big Ten. Go ahead, Big Ten football. Not bad, not bad. So I smell something cooking down in Texas, and, and I want to know if you smell it because it, it, it's something serious, and they just swept the Astros. This is not your, your cousin's Texas Rangers. Wait, hold on. How we didn't about... talk Mississippi, Alabama. Oh, oh gosh. We didn't talk Mississippi, a... Alabama. You can't forget the big oh, game, the rematch. Right. Listen, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm excited. You see, I'm hyped up about the baseball hyped up about and the baseball. Rangers. I hear you. Well, you know what it is. I had to throw in that, that Northwestern game. I had to throw that in. So give, give it to me. Ole Miss at Bama. This is. When you look at the rankings, this is a, a really nice one because it's 15 at two. But Ole Miss, talent-wise and how they recruited, their talent can go up against anybody in college football. What do you got? Yeah, they've had the last three years maybe the best collective recruiting classes. And this, this draft, you're going to see on NFL draft weekend, you're yeah. going to see so many Ole Miss guys from Robert and DJ to the rest of these guys, they're going to get drafted one by one by one. So they're very talented. This is one of the few years where you can put that team on the field with anybody and say, look, talent-wise, we're better. Now, yeah. this is another rematch game like Oregon-Michigan State. Uh, sorry, Oregon, Michigan State. Remember last year, they scored 14 unanswered to win 23-17. It was a great game. Yes, it was. And everybody in Alabama remembers that game. That was you know, that was their major flaw. I think both of these teams have question marks. Coker, we're not sure if he's the real deal. He hasn't played very well, and we know that Chad Kelly can put up big numbers. He put up. They're averaging 74 points a game, Mississippi, and Alabama's averaging 13 points allowed. So you've got. Now, granted, these are against cupcakes, but Mississippi's putting up points. Alabama is. You know, holding people to to less than two touchdowns. I think at the end of the day here, it comes down to Alabama's offensive line, probably the best, one of the best in college football. Those two running backs, Kenyon Drake and Derrick Henry, keeping the Mississippi offense off the field. I think that's the formula to win. So Alabama needs to run and run and then run a little bit more. And if they can do that, they can hold Mississippi to maybe two fewer possessions than they're used to, and they'll be able to win this game. Now, Ole Miss has got a great defense, not even not even a good defense, a great defense. So this is going to be a, a test of wills. Alabama's going to try to run it down their throats, and Mississippi is going to stand up to the challenge. So I actually think Alabama wins, though. I think they win a really close game here. I'll say 26-24 Alabama. I got to agree with you. And I, I love what, you know, Kelly's doing at quarterback for Ole Miss. I, I love their jerseys. I love their energy, their fans, their defense. But I'm loving what Derrick Henry's got and what he's bringing. Coker's going to be good enough. And there's going to be a lot of foreign outs or a lot of getting one first down and then punting. There's going to be field position and, like always, turnovers. I think Bama will just be a little bit cleaner at home with a raucous crowd. And like you, I, I, I have them sort of pulling away at the end with just, just a field goal, not anything crazy. 24-21, I have Bama beating Ole Miss, and – Ole Miss, you know, this might be this might be crazy to say this might be their only loss of the season, Ole Miss. So they're by no means will they be out of it if they lose. Now the final game, since Tay was trying to jump the gun, so my bad. I got another one. College there's some good college football games. I'm just hyped, man, but I'm ready to talk some baseball too. Number nineteen, I love this team, Ray. BYU. Unfortunately, they're at number ten, UCLA, with Josh Rhodes and the stud quarterback, the real freshman. What do you got for me? I said this kid Rosen is nice, and he's going to put up some big numbers. BYU and UCLA can both put up numbers. The difference is UCLA's defense is a little better. And I think UCLA at home with the D, night game, crowd is pumped. I think UCLA wins a close game, but I think ultimately they shut BYU down in the second half. So I got UCLA winning 
a lot of high scoring games for me. Thirty twenty four. I have to agree. I'm going thirty to twenty three. I think UCLA will pull away. I think this quarterback, he's 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 making quite a statement as a freshman, and you know it's just going to build up to really watch UCLA against USC, and you'll have the young kid against the master teacher, Rosen against Kessler. What a battle. That's at the end of the season, though, that weekend during our preview show that Ray spoke about, November 27th, 28th, Thanksgiving weekend, the greatest football weekend we might might see in years, Ray. So now it's that time. Our picks are in for college and NFL. We've got to talk about what's happening. We've got some big series. Every game's on TV, Yankees, Mets. Both of them look like they're going to be in. Mets magic numbers climbing down. Harvey will go Sunday night on ESPN Baseball. They're on Fox and they're on uh, MLB, uh, you know, network tonight. But the, we got to talk about the Rangers. What they've done, they swept the Astros. They're up two and a half games. Now you're talking Minnesota and Houston. Who's going to make it? You know, Houston's got 77 wins. Minnesota's, you know, right there with 75, 71 losses. Who's going to make it to see, and obviously they have 70 losses uh, over there with Houston, to battle and go into New York. What were your thoughts about the Rangers' sweep, timely hitting, Prince Fielder and the boys are, are doing it big, and obviously the pitching staff seems like they're on a good run. Could the Rangers get in the playoffs and just do real damage against whoever they play, Ray? You know, it's possible when – you lose four in a row to your in-state and divisional rivals to go. They were up a game and a half, the Astros, and now they're down two and a half. So it's a four-game swing, and I think that really takes the air out of you. And when your guy, Dallas Keuchel, gets lit up mm. in the middle of that series, then you really said to yourself, oof. That was not a good night. Yeah, not only that, but, but you gave momentum – right back to the Rangers, and I think the Rangers take this division. I do think, however, that the Astros are going to hold off the Twins. It's only one in the loss column. Yeah. So this is the time when you need to look at the loss column. It's only one game, 71 losses for Minnesota, 70 for the Astros. But I have a feeling that this great story of the Houston Astros is going to continue, and they're going to go into the playoffs. Your question about the Rangers is an interesting one. So I think it really depends on where the Rangers, you know, I guess how they pitch in, in that first series. Because right now, if if the playoffs were to end right now, assuming that Toronto does not catch Kansas City, Texas would play Toronto. And then Kansas City would play the winner of the, the play-in wild card game. That's a bad matchup for Texas. I think that that Toronto is too. I think Texas would actually prefer, believe it or not, to play Kansas City because it's a contrasting style. I think that exactly. this Toronto Blue Jay team is too much. So to me, that's a bad matchup for Texas. So I think they lose in that first round. But you know what? First, they need to worry about holding off the Astros again. Two and a half games is not, you know, is not a lock. But I think it's. I think they still have three games left with each other, if I'm not mistaken. So I do think Texas wins that division now. I was saying Houston, 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 but I think Texas wins that division now. But I think they lose in the first round right now, as it stands to the to the Blue Jays. It's going to be really interesting, and you know, it's one of those things where, and we saw this last year, right, with the wild card teams advancing and look at what the Royals did. Once you get in there, it is wide open and it's anybody's season. And that's what you love about it. I mean, hey, you know, even without Teixeira, maybe if the Yankees could get lucky, you know, you need a break and you need, you know, some bats to warm up, especially A-Rod. But who knows? I I don't feel that. You would love to see a Subway series. You probably see the I-90 series, if anything, with the Royals and Cardinals. Real quick. It's not, you know, it's almost over. But right now, if you're being honest, MVP and Cy Young, are, are, are we just saying without a doubt it's Donaldson in the AL? I don't think anybody, you know, you can't really give it to Cruz. Seattle's not been great this year. 
maybe you know not enough. Trout's for Mart- not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, not enough for Trout and J.D. Martinez. I do like Prince Fielder, but he, Donaldson has just had a dominant season. You know, number one in RBIs with 120. He's up there in, in homers. You know, he's third in homers with 39. So he's clearly the AL MVP. NL's got to be Bryce Harper, even though the Nats yeah. have fallen short. His stats are, I mean, absurd with the 40 homers. Um, with the Ribbies, Goldschmidt's had a good year. Uh, Nolan Aria, uh, Nolan um, Arenado. Arenado's had a great. Not only that, but he's a Gold Glover. You know, he's yes. the best of all those people you said. He's the best defender. And McCutcheon's been good. Let's give him credit. And the rookie Chris Bryant. I mean, wow, ninety-three Ribbies. So the NL's had some great seasons. Give me your thoughts though on Cy Young, because even with the NL, you've got a battle, right, Jake Arrieta. And, and, and potentially Granky, And then the AL, you have that battle of maybe Price, King Felix, and, and Dallas Keiko. So where would you go with those two to Cy Young? Oh, boy. Look, in the National League, I really think you can make a case for either of them. But I think that Granky was more dominant this year uh, in stretches. His ERA and his... Uh, batting average against are just unbelievable. He, he's basically untouchable. And yeah. there are some other good players, and Jake Arrieta has had the best second half in a long time. Yeah. But I think that you got to give it a slight edge to Granke. And in the National League, sorry, in the American League, oh, this one is tough, but <laughs> you know what? Because they're slipping, I was going to say Dallas Keiko had – had a chance, but I, I think I might go with David Price. I think, I think so, that too. David Price might have earned himself. You know, he, he gets traded midseason. He goes over to a new team. He's what, like eight and one, something like he that. Has Sixteen wins for Toronto. So, yeah, he's still got a few more starts. They're in a pennant race. He's clearly the ace of the staff. So I like him winning it. What would that be, his second Cy Young? Definitely would be his second. Now, look, coming out of the bullpen for the Cardinals, you've got to love what um, our boy Trevor Rosenthal has done with 45 saves. He's had a, a great season as well. The Pirates, you know, when you look at uh, – can't ever disrespect Clayton Kershaw. I'm sure he'll be in the voting. Grant Cole uh, has had a great year. But I, at the end of the day, I'd have to go Granky and Price as well. You know, it's been um, it's been a special season. You feel bad though for Dallas Keuchel because the collapse and then his last uh, three or four starts hasn't been dominant. And that the one against the Rangers that was a big, big loss. You know, and Sonny yeah, Gray he deals awesome. with the A's just don't haven't done anything. You know. Yeah, that last outing for Keiko may have cost him some votes in terms of Cy Young because it was it was a clutch game. It was a game against his his rivals. It was down the stretch. That's a game that you got to pitch well in. You don't necessarily have to win it, but you have to pitch better than he did to be considered AL Cy Young. Yeah, give a lot of credit to Kobe Lewis, right, for the Texas Rangers. Big year for him and then they, you know, with him and Cole Hamill, um you got to watch, watch. That's why I'm telling you in the playoffs, the Rangers, they could be the sleeper pick. You know, that, that, that staff is, is going to be good enough and the bats, they're explosive. But not as explosive as the Blue Jays. Woo! Oh, but listen, Troy Tulowitzki's hurt. So that's uh, I not know. good. I know. That's the one X factor that Troy said. Not only is he hurt, but he also anchors that defense. He's been yeah, so great, well, and nobody talks about well, his defense. Yeah, they always talk about his great. offense, but he's really stable. I mean, they were they were disappointed in Jose Reyes, and especially on the defensive side, and I think that Tulowitzki gave them a lot of stability there. Yeah, that could hurt them come playoffs. i got to agree. So, look, a, a great show. It's going to be an amazing sports weekend. Looking forward to all the games. You just get hyped up with college, the NFL, Yankees, Mets will be fun. And, of course, we'll be back Monday to talk all about it, bring back maybe even some champs and chumps segment, because I'm sure this weekend there'll be champs and chumps, right? 
keep out on the lookout for your champ and your chump because we'll talk about it on Monday. Great show. Thanks for listening. And uh, like always, it's fun talking sports with friends. Have a great sports weekend. See you on Monday. Mind. How can we really-